Hi, Tim. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Carl. How are you? I'm fantastic. Where are you joining from today? I am joining you from uh, Napoli in uh, southern Italy, believe it or not. You live there? Is it like uh, work, vacation? Yeah, no, I um, I actually, I, I live up in uh, in Florence, in northern part of Italy, um, but I'm down here actually for a couple of meetings uh, today, so it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of Italy. I do enjoy it down here, very different from the north. And how long have you been in Italy for? Um, on and off for about 10 years. Uh, in... Um, uh, about 10 years ago, the, the plan was that uh, we were going to move to Italy for six months just to give it a try. And uh, here, 10 years later, we're still here. So I, uh, I, I, I guess we're enjoying it. Yeah, awesome. I just got back from Switzerland last week, actually, um, uh, yes. in Zurich. So I was about three hours from Milan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, didn't make it. There, there was a scenic uh, train ride that I wanted to take. Um, I think it was called Glacier something. I don't remember, but uh, apparently it was supposed to be one of the most beautiful train rides you can go on. I've heard that also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you are the executive chairman of um, a really cool company called AIML Innovations. Exactly. I guess maybe let's start here with um, how you got involved in the company. Are you a founder? Did you put the whole thing together or would you, were you brought on after? Yeah, no, I, I did. Um, so my invest, my background is from the investment world, and uh, uh, myself with uh, with a couple of partners have uh, over the years, you know, sourced out different sectors that we thought were um, the 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 right uh, place to be at the right time. And we saw that with uh, artificial intelligence uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so we actually, we took over a, a, a shell uh, back in 2019 and uh, um, brought it back onto the markets as a artificial intelligence uh, investment company in January of uh, 2020. So we've been in at this business for the last couple of years. I know that artificial intelligence just in the last couple of months has really hit everybody's radar screen because of, um, you know, things like uh, chat GPT and GPT-4 and so on. And so, you, you know, you can't turn on the uh, the news feeds these days without seeing uh, something about artificial intelligence. Um, and so, you know, consequently, there's a lot of companies that have, you know, come out of the woodwork in the last few months that uh, <laughs> maybe three months ago were a, a lithium kind con- a company or a, or a pot company, and uh, all of a sudden they've switched gears and are uh, artificial intelligence company. But we actually were in this space um, before the pandemic, um, and the reason why we got into it was because we we just saw this uh, this perfect storm uh, convergence where um, artificial intelligence was um, coming into its own um, um, as a as as a tool um, and uh, very soon everything in our world will be different because of artificial intelligence and that's not an overstatement um, how we manufacture things, how we design things, how we grow things, um, how our world is run, um, our healthcare sector. There, there's, there's not a segment of modern society that won't be positively impacted by artificial intelligence. Um, and in fact, there was one study that I was reading just recently 
where the estimate is, is that uh, artificial intelligence will add uh, additional economic output of about 13 trillion trillion with a t dollars by 2030 which is just around the corner and, and to you know most people can't get there, myself included we can't get our heads around a number like 13 trillion to 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 put that in perspective it is expected to increase global gdp uh, by about 1.2% annually so imagine that the entire world will be more productive by 1.2% per year because of artificial intelligence. And that will create, you know, new wealth of $13 trillion per year. So it's an incredible uh, growth industry. Um, and so we saw um, the opportunity to get involved in that um, a couple of years back. Um, but artificial intelligence is, is, is a tool. And unless you have something specific uh, to uh, against which to apply this tool the, the tool you know has limited value and so in our case um, we saw another you know perfect storm scenario building and that was in the health tech industry um, and uh, and for a bunch of reasons first of all all the things that um, make health tech um, a viable industry meaning you know the the our our ability to aggregate data um, and make sense of it um, that data aggregation was becoming uh, increasingly more efficient in other words all the sensors that are used um, in in the biomedical gathering of, of data in the healthcare industry um, those sensors were becoming faster and smaller smaller and less expensive and uh, applicable to a wider range of, of uses. Um, and, and so there was this, um, uh, the, 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 this perfect point where uh, health tech was an industry coming into it, it, its own right. And this was prior to the pandemic. Now, the pandemic just um, uh, uh, kind of catalyzed and, and um, accelerated the growth of the health tech industry. Um, because people through the pandemic realized how um, essential medical industry that they were used to having at their fingertips before the pandemic through the pandemic wasn't available to them and especially patients with chronic needs. So let's say um, pregnant women or cancer patients or diabetics or weight loss patients, uh, pain management patients and on and on and on and on. All these patients who are used to going uh, to their medical practitioners before the pandemic every week or every month through the pandemic, <clears throat> they weren't um, allowed the same level of access to their healthcare providers. And so all of a sudden people were turning to, um, uh, to this new idea of remote patient involvement with their, their healthcare providers. And the other side of the coin was true too. The healthcare providers and the insurers were also seeing that, hey, this is, this is something that really makes sense. This can um, not only 
um, prov- help provide <clears throat> better uh, health care at the end of the day, but it can also help reduce costs and, and, and expedite the, the speed of service. So from our perspective, we saw these two storms building um, in, in the world of artificial intelligence and in the world of health technology. And so we specifically set out to find companies uh, back in uh, uh, 2019 and early 2020 that fit that scenario. So health tech companies that specifically were um, relying on artificial intelligence um, through which to uh, uh, to improve or or make their products uh, effective in the marketplace. So so that was the um, initial thoughts behind why and how we got into artificial intelligence. Um, and again, specifically um, uh, uh, artificial intelligence as it as it applies to the uh, the health tech industry. It's definitely a very exciting place to to navigate and try to find good companies that are that are in AI that are going to be sustainable for a long period of time. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to just pull it back a little bit to the to the structure because I know my audience, you know, they 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 want to sort of understand the groups that got into this and funded it early on. And can you kind of just take? Sure. Us, we'll just kind of scale it back there. Um, so you're putting this shell together. Um, what what groups came into the deal? Yeah, yeah, happy to do that. Um, yeah, so we took over an, an existing shell and cleaned it up, and it was you know prior to was uh, a, um, a TSX mining uh, shell. Um, so where we sit today, just to I'll, I'll I'll start with where we stand today in terms of market cap and so on, and then kind of back us back to uh, today one. So we have uh, uh, 44.2 million shares outstanding. Um, our 12-month high and low, uh, we were high of 23 cents, a low of three. We're about at the midpoint right now, actually exactly at the midpoint. We're about 11 and a half, 12 cents, or so we're right in the middle of that. Um, but our all-time high when we listed back in early uh, 2020, we actually hit about a, a dollar fifty uh, on the high side. So, so we're we're well off our, our highs. And um, there, what was the valuation yeah. uh, for the in- insiders when, when you know when this structure was put together? Sure. Um, so we did a, uh, a friends and family round uh, first, and and put in the uh, the, the first million dollars, um, and that's where where myself and the other uh, insiders participated. And we and uh, that round was done at uh, at twenty five cents. Okay. Um, we then uh, and that was uh, as I said a million dollar uh, round. We then um, about a month later did a, another two million dollar round at fifty cents that we opened up to. Uh, a slightly wider circle uh, that, that still included uh, a lot of friends and family, but uh, um, we also started to position some uh, some brokers, um, a couple small investment funds that, uh, uh, that that like to invest in in you know early stage companies um, and, and so on. So we we opened up that that second round to a strategic group of uh, of investors and placed uh, another couple 
couple million dollars. Um, and then uh, the, the timing of that was just such uh, uh, such that we we kind of you know hit the market running at the same time that the health tech industry was uh, was was kind of at its at its apex. So um, out of the gate, uh, um, our, our stock took off and 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 shot up uh, well over a dollar. And of course, we uh, um, we had a, a very thin market float, and and uh, um, and so it, it really didn't take uh, a whole lot of uh, effort or energy for for us to uh, uh, to get up to those numbers. Um, I was you know somewhat fearful, and and it you know proved <laughs> prophetic. I, I thought we we uh, you know put on too much market cap too quickly um, because the companies that we were investing in at that time, while they have good potential, um, were still in the final you know R and D stages of uh, of their development and weren't quite at uh, rounding the corner uh, into uh, into revenue yet. And and so inevitably, when the health tech market uh, started to to pull back, uh, where you know companies that that were you know the leaders uh, in the sector like Teladoc and and Livongo and so on started to to pull back. Um, um, uh, of course, we uh, we we saw our market uh, fall back as well, um, and uh, and we we kind of bottomed out uh, in the four the, the three four cent range. Although we didn't uh, trade much of that volume, and uh, kind of recently we've rebounded up to uh, to about the uh, eleven and a half cent range. Um, insiders uh, control. Um, uh, about twenty percent of uh, of the shares outstanding, and uh, between insiders and what I would call our our inside group, you know, friends and family, it would be about forty to forty five percent of the uh, issued and outstanding are in hands where you know we, you know, I can literally pick up the phone right now and and uh, and talk to the the folks directly that control uh, nearly half of uh, our issued and outstanding so um so we're we're still um you know tightly held that that's for sure uh with a an, an overall float um of uh, uh the uh 44 million range well i hope some of those friends or families uh did some selling up above a buck that would have been a nice win either way at the end of the day where you know it's, it's exactly. a real business but we're here to make money um Okay, so you recently did a financing, I think, around six cents. Is that uh, for maybe around three hundred thousand? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, you know, it, it, it's always a, a bit of a tightrope walk because. Um, of course, you know the, the companies continue to uh, to need working capital. Uh, the business, you know, must continue to move forward in uh, you know good markets and and in bad markets. And it's a bit of a chicken and the egg, as uh, as everyone knows, where um, you know the market demands um, some you know fundamental advancements uh, um, in the uh, in the company, but at the same time, to achieve those advancements in the company, you need money to do that. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a balancing act, and so what we try to do is um, certainly you know down at uh, at, at, at the low levels, um, try to be uh, as non dilutive as possible, and and uh, um, you know keep the the, the financing small, um, and, uh, and 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 hope to achieve um, some. 
um, uh, additional, you know, fundamental news that 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 we can announce uh, on you know product development and, and business development cycles and so on, so that we can see uh, an improvement in our market cap and then look to do a, a, a larger funding round at uh, at less dilutive levels and, than, than we're doing. Okay, so. I guess my last question on this would be. When the stock was up, were you able to raise funds at all or do any deals, issue shares? We, yeah, we, we did. Um, so, um, uh, yes, and of course, that, that's, that's always the, uh, the plan. And, and, and so we, we were able to uh, uh, get some warrants exercised at, at some higher prices and also um, do uh, acquisition, um, uh, share-based acquisition um, at, uh, you know, at better market valuation. So one of the companies that we've invested in uh, and I'll, you know, spend uh, a little more time in a minute uh, describing it more fully, but we acquired the North American rights um, to their product line, which we're really excited about. And we did that as a, uh, um, um, as an acquisition through shares, not through cash. And of course uh, we're able to do that because we're enjoying, you know, much higher uh, stock price uh, prices. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, okay. so it was, uh, wasn't diluted for us. Let's get into the management, and then uh, after that, we'll get into the blue sky potential. Hopefully, for the for the company and forward looking statements, of course. But um, heading it off, yeah. Uh, yeah. your CEO and and the rest of the management team. Do you kind of want to uh, express the value that they have and in, in their experience, including yours? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, excuse me, just drink water here. Um, okay, so I'll start with uh, our CEO, which is Randy Dugay. He's an engineer and uh, Randy, um, you know, comes from the world of uh, uh, digital health services. He was part of senior management with uh, TELUS Health uh, for a number of years and uh, and led, you know, the commercialization of several of their, you know, multi-million dollar uh, products. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and so as such, you know, Randy kind of has the, you know, the dream Rolodex, uh, when it comes to the health tech industry in Canada. Um, and, uh, it, you know, a question has often come up to us, um, where, uh, and, and it's a fair question where people would ask, so, you know, you're a little startup company with uh, limited resources, limited finances and so on, you know, what makes you think you can, um, you know, get the attention of uh, 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 of the big industry partners that you're looking for on the B2B side um, when there's, you know, bigger and better companies out there doing what you're doing in some way, shape or form. And that's a real fair question. And the answer is, is, is uh, um in part uh, because we've got people on our team who come from that world, um, who have the ability, you know, to kick in those doors. Um, and Randy is one of those guys because, as I said, as a as a part of senior management with uh, with Telus Health, he has uh, an awesome Rolodex, and he he's known for the last decade or more anybody who's anybody in the uh, the Canadian health tech uh, industry and those other industries around it uh, that. Uh, that, that benefit from from health tech, so uh, so Randy has the ability to get in front of you know major uh, strategic partners where you and I wouldn't have that uh, that ability because of Randy's background uh, coming from from Telus Health. Um, so he's been a, a really good att- addition to our team. Um, 
uh, his partner um, uh, is a fellow by the name of Bruce Matichuk. And uh, Bruce is, is also a... Um, uh, well, he's a PhD engineer. They're both engineers. And, uh, and Bruce comes from the world of artificial intelligence and has done that for most of his adult life. He, he was doing artificial intelligence and, uh, uh creating, you know, technologies and selling them off, uh, before most of us had ever even heard of artificial intelligence. So, so he, uh, um, uh, he's, you know, Mr. Artificial Intelligence. And so, so he, and of course his handpicked team of engineers below him are in charge of our um, uh, development and, and, and vetting of, of other uh, AI technologies. Um, and Bruce has uh, had, you know, several uh, successful uh, exits from AI companies over the years. In fact, one of the technologies that, that Bruce developed uh, some years ago is uh, a facial recognition technology, AI technology, that uh, a major uh, um, a security camera company has picked up and it's used all over the world by, you know, big, big companies. And that's Bruce's technology. So he's definitely, you know, he's earned his stripes in the, in the world of artificial intelligence. And so, so he's a, an extremely valuable asset uh, for us. Um, um, and so those two uh, are, are, key inside guys with respect to the digital health tech market and uh, uh, and the artificial intelligence market. Um, Nick Waters and myself come from uh, the investment world. Uh, Nick is uh, our th third director um, and uh, Nick has been involved with public companies for the last uh, oh, 20 plus years and he's raised uh, many uh, hundreds of millions of dollars for various startup and early stage uh, um, um, uh, companies and I've I've known and worked with Nick for uh, a, a number of years and and uh, um, so he's very valuable with respect to um, the uh, uh, the things that interest your your listeners, which is the you know the public company side, um, and that's my background as well. Um, um, I uh, come from the investment world. I have a finance degree. I've been uh, uh, CEO and CFO and on the board of directors of several Canadian and U.S.-based both private and public companies for uh, the last 25 years. I've raised uh, um, several hundred million dollars uh, for various projects that I've been involved with. Um, and, uh, and so my expertise is is uh, um, corporate development, uh, corporate finance, strategic planning, um, project development, and uh, corporate governance matters. Um, so my my world is the public company world, um, and so so we're you know we're we're a small team but uh, diverse, and between us we've got over a hundred years uh, combined relevant experience uh, in uh, yeah, in the world of uh, high tech, uh, artificial intelligence, and public company. Companies and raising money. Yeah, so, that's fantastic. And, uh, and just for yourself, uh, with your tenure and career, mm -hmm. what's been the biggest yeah. win for you? Um, you know, if you were to put one thing on a resume, what was what's been sort of the big, biggest success before you started with this venture here? 
Um, it would probably have been, um, you know, a company, and I, I don't, I don't want to name some other names, but but there's a company that uh, um, I was uh, involved with as as one of the founders. Um, it cur- currently is trading on uh, on the TSX on the senior board, and uh, um, uh, when we started it with a, a market cap of um, well something short of five million. I and say about three million market cap it was probably less than that even and uh and today it's uh it's sitting at uh uh well over a billion dollars market cap um and uh and i was one of the the, the founders and instrumental uh part of of um uh, getting that company up and and uh and running to where it is i i I've not been involved with it for for a number of years. I've moved on to to uh, other ventures that uh, that I'm involved with, um, um, including just you know recently I've um, um, uh, well I, I am involved with a, a, a strategic um, uh, decarbonization uh, metal company. And uh, uh, we just put in place uh, a funding package there of uh, about 25 million euros for uh, for the development of the project uh, with uh, with a strategic investment group out of London. And so so uh, I, I wear a number of investment hats uh, on an ongoing basis. But uh, but my daytime job here now is uh, is AIML um, until until it's uh, uh, mature enough to stand on its own and and. Uh, um, so okay, so I'll, I'll continue my focus. On so that. thanks for covering all of that stuff. Uh, it's obviously it's necessary for me to do that with for the investing uh, community. Yeah, of course. Let's get into all the fun of sky potential of this company. It's a software company, not a hardware company, correct? Um, it is both. Uh, so uh, so um, we have. Under our umbrella, um, we, we've made two strategic investments. The, uh, the first one is into a company called Health Gauge, which is based out of Edmonton. And, um, we own 100% of Health Gauge. Now, Health Gauge is, is both a hardware and a software. Um, um, it, it's hardware in that we have our own uh, wearable. So it, it's it, so just to back up. Um, what HealthGage does is it is a um, um, wearable technology um, in the uh, the health and wellness space. Um, and uh, we have our own wearable product, so think smartwatch. Um, but unlike you know the Apple watches or Googles and, and uh, Samsungs of the world that uh, you know do everything, and including our uh, you know a telephone and music player and so on, ours is just for measuring your your health uh, parameters. Um, so it measures your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your blood pressure. Um, your, it'll do an ECG on you, your respiration rate, your, your temperature. Um, we're about to roll out uh, a new iteration that will include, uh, non-invasive blood glucose and so on. So, so, uh, uh, our wearable has the, uh, the ability to aggregate all this, uh, uh, biomedical data from you. Um, and that's the hardware. Component of it, and then that is all uh, uh, um, 
uploaded into our app, uh, which is AI driven. And, uh, and then that is all aggregated on your personal um, cloud platform uh, so that you've got access to your information, you and your healthcare team, your doctors, your pharmacists, <clears throat> your family members as you want and so on have access to uh, complete medical data on you 24 seven up in the cloud so it, it's a hardware and software combination on that so side. on that uh, having said that how competitive is that space because i think everybody listening right now would, would would understand that there's a big demand for that product um you know yeah. it's it, it's amazing right uh, it's it's scalable doctors yeah. will love it uh you know if you've got someone who's sick elderly even if you're even if you're in good shape i mean especially people that are in mm -hmm. fitness right they love knowing what's going on with their body yeah. all the time um, so, I mean, all of that makes sense. It's not hard to understand there would be a value for this um, yeah. in the marketplace. But how competitive mm -hmm. is that space? Sure. Um, so, you know, let's break that down. Um, so, first of all, what we're not trying to do is compete with the Apple Watches of the world and so on. They they have their place for sure. Um, and it's a big, big market. Um, but what they do is not what we do. So, what what we are doing specifically is a wearable a wearable medical device. That That's our market space. Um, and so, so, you know, somebody who wants, you know, a watch that that's, you know, full of cool apps and they can play games and they can pull up a, a map and they can make a phone call. That's not what we do. Uh, if you have some chronic condition um, or you want to um, uh, uh, um, uh, be more aware of your your health situation, you're trying to get into shape, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to manage pain. Uh, it, it, pregnant women and so on um that's our sweet spot um because w what we're doing is we're, we're providing the, this 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 biomedical uh, feedback on an ongoing basis so that you as the wearer um can make immediate and actionable decisions uh that can impact your health um so that's 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 one thing is that there's a, a a great distinction between what we're doing and what they're doing. Number one, number two, we're actually hardware agnostic. In other words, um, our 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 key, our sweet spot, what our our money maker, so to speak, is our artificial intelligence on our app. Um, and we don't really care how the data is aggregated. So if you want to aggregate your medical data through your Apple Watch um, and send it to our app uh, for analysis, that's fine too. Or your your Samsung or your Polar or Fitbit or whatever it is. Um, so if you've got that wearable device and, uh, um, uh, and you want to benefit from the data that's on that, and I, and, and, and I don't say that lightly because, you know, try this, Carl. Um, go down to the Apple store and say, you know, I'd like one of those Apple watches. Um, very cool. And by the way, um, you know, I'd like it to measure my blood pressure and I'd like my doctor and my pharmacist and my uh, physiotherapist and my sister who lives in Philadelphia to have access to that information. How do I do it? And the 18-year-old Apple salesman will stare at you for a few seconds and say, would you like an iPad to go with that, sir? You know, 
it's a retail product. The, the Apple Watch is a retail product. Ours is not a retail product. Ours is a, a health device. Okay, that, that's the difference. So we're going after a completely different market uh, segment than, than, um, um, than what the Apple products and Samsungs and Googles and so on are, are going after. But as I said earlier, if you choose, if, if you want to aggregate um, your data uh, off your Apple Watch and send it through um, and have our artificial intelligence uh, make sense of it and put it onto your cloud platform, we can do that for you. So, so we can uh, help you benefit from that data when Apple can't do that for you. And I'll tell you the, the difference that our artificial intelligence makes on this. The watches themselves... Um, uh, let's talk specifically uh, about uh, blood pressure, um, whether it's an Apple Watch or Samsung or Fitbit or, or, or ours. Um, uh, well, first of all, most of those watches don't measure uh, um, blood pressure at all. There's, there's actually a, only a, a small number of wearables that, that measure blood pressure. But the wearables themselves are, um, are not very accurate. Uh, in other words, it will give you a rough estimate uh, of your blood pressure, and it'll give you a rough estimate of the trend, whether your blood pressure is trending upwards or downwards and so on. Um, the difference, though, when you uh, take that raw data from your watch, which is not great uh, analysis and you put it through our artificial intelligence with, which by the way is patented and which by the way right now is going through fda approval as a class two medical device and we'll come out the other side of that process uh, here this calendar year um, by doing that by taking uh, th this data from a watch which is kind of so so in its accuracy and putting it through our artificial intelligence uh, what the what comes out the other end after our artificial intelligence analyzes it is data that's accurate um, to, to the quality of a class two medical device. In other words, the same device that your doctor will use on you when you go into his clinic and he puts the cuff around your arm and so on and takes your blood pressure our watch, in combination with our artificial intelligence, will give results with that degree of accuracy. Our watch alone will not do it, but neither will the Apple Watch or anything else. So, so the, the magic, yeah. you know, exactly. The magic it, is in the so AI. How does that work? How does, so, how does the AI clean up the data that's coming through the hardware, essentially? So what's happening is that um, algorithms that um, that the software runs on uh, that that Apple uses, um, Fitbit, Samsung, and the rest of them use. Um, it, it's it's decent, but it relies on one set of data only, and it doesn't um, learn. In other words, if you if you input the same data a million times, it will give you the same result a million times. It's really reliable at doing that, but that's all it will ever do. The difference between that and artificial intelligence is that artificial intelligence learns, it gets smarter. So the more data that's fed into it, both in terms of your personal data, but also um, 
all the users in general. So as more users uh, are, are, you know, pumping data through the AI, the AI gets smarter and smarter. And so all of a sudden it's now giving results today that were different from it, what it would have given a week ago because it learned more. And it, and it does that through looking at uh, a number of different parameters, not just the, the, uh, the, the, the one set of, of, of data coming in um, because it's monitoring a number of things from you, um, including, you know, the heart rate and, and uh, the heart rate variability and, your weight and your body temperature and so on. So it's, it's taking all this various data, uh, in addition to that not so clean signal, um, th that it was generating on the blood pressure and it's putting it all together and coming out, uh, with, uh, an estimate, an AI estimate that brings it into the same degree of accuracy as, uh, as a class two medical device that your doctor is using. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the layman's way of looking at it, Carl, is it's like the difference between walking into a doctor's office and it's, uh, you know, it's a shiny faced kid straight out of medical school who's still flipping through the, the, the medical textbooks to figure out what's wrong with you, as opposed to going into a doctor who you've been seeing for 20 years and who's, uh, you know, 55 years old and he's been doing this for, for you know, 25 years. Those two guys are not going to be in the same place. One guy is going to be uh, far more intuitive because of his years of experience, both in general and in dealing with you specifically. That's the difference between artificial intelligence and a, a, a regular algorithm that, that's used by, uh, by the watch companies. Um, so that's why we're we're coming out with a, 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 a result that is actually meaningful and uh, and precise to the um, to to the level of accuracy of uh, um, of a medical device that, that your doctor would be using in his office. Okay, so let's kind of talk about the the you know putting this on actual arms and and when you scooped up this business. What what type of revenue were they bringing in with this? Like, where were they, what stage were they at? Were they already selling this product? Is did you guys you know get involved with? No, they weren't. Yeah, they they weren't. So they were at the the final stages of of R and D, um, and you know we're 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 an aggressive little company, and so we we are looking for companies that have. Um, either just completed the R&D stage and, and started, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, business development cycle or are in the very late stages of, of their R&D. Um, we don't want a company that's, uh, that's you know, too mature, um, nor do we want one that's too early. The early stage companies, of course, it, you know, it's a very high risk. Uh, you, you spend a lot of money and a lot of time and take on a lot of risk waiting for them to develop a product and, and you hope at the end of the day there, there's something that's marketable. So we're always looking for something that is just on that cusp of turning the corner from, from R&D into revenue or is in the very earliest stages of Those revenue. Those are very difficult um, deals to and, make because companies that, yeah. that know mm -hmm. what they have or, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's not a good time for them to, you know, to sell or make a deal. But so, I mean, you're right. Uh, they have right. to see value yeah. on your side of things too. They they kind of have to be in a position where they need a partner, like they're there, but they haven't quite figured it out. And you know, it's a little it's a little shark you know, type, it, type of situation. 
It is. And and what happens often is, you know, as I you know said a minute ago, to get to that point was really um, time consuming, really expensive. And and a lot of these companies as private companies have kind of, you know, they've, they've done their friends and family rounds. They've taken out their second mortgage on their house and they, they've they've kind of gone as far as they can as uh, uh, as a private company. And, you know, now that they're on the cusp of success, um, they find that they're still short of cash. It's almost the, the analogy that I like to give. It's like the guy who is holding the winning lottery ticket in his hand, but he's got to borrow taxi money to get to the bank, you know, and, and that's where a lot of these companies are, where they're, they're exactly at that point of development. Um, and you're right, it's hard to find them and it's hard to convince them that, uh, um, uh, you know, that this is the, the, the right route for them. Um, um, but it is, you know, it, uh, we, we try to, um, uh, show them that, that, uh, working with us, uh, rather than, than, than us, you know, just, you know, taking them over and owning them, um, uh, and, 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 and doing it on, you know, aggressive terms that, uh, that VCs, uh, will often approach them with and so on that, that, that we're, you know, the more palatable uh, alternative. But we do have to look at a lot of companies and spend a long time in the due diligence process with them uh, before we come away with uh, with the acquisitions. Um, so, so it it, it is uh, you know a, a, a difficult and you know sometimes slow um, acquisition process. Uh, to be sure. what uh, what was when did you do that transaction? How long ago was it? Um, so with uh, with uh, with HealthGage, so we've got you know two companies that, that we've made uh, acquisitions with at this point. The first one is HealthGage, which is the Canadian-based company yeah. with the wearable out device, and, uh, and and out of Edmonton. That's right. And we did that transaction um, in uh, uh, late 2019, and and that was our our uh, uh, flagship product coming out of the gate with our our. Uh, uh, listing in uh, early 2020. Okay. Can I pause um, there? Then, then, yeah, okay. sure, sure. So let's go back. You're, you know, you're, you're selling this to investors, friends and family round, right? Yeah. 25 cent, 1 million valuation, yeah. uh, late stage yeah. R&D. We're going to take it over. Where has the company come to now? And if, mm-hmm. you know, if there's headwinds, let's talk about them. Uh, if there's been advancements, let's yeah. talk about them. And then let's talk about the revenue model here. I would, I would think there's some some, some script, subscription based stuff here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the. Um, uh, uh, so when we took them over, um, again they were they were late stage, but late stage not meaning um, uh, uh, completely finished and and uh, and out the door with you know with version 1.0. Um, there uh, there there still was some work to be done, and so the. Uh, uh, the funding round that we did, uh, we provided them with, uh, um, uh, what was it? I guess two million in working capital, um, and over uh, a period of of uh, about two years, they completed the, uh, the the work on the technology. At the same time that they were um, advancing on the business development side, and and again through you know Randy Dugay and his contacts in the industry. 
Um, he's uh, um, put this in front of, of you know, several um, um, potential strategic partners that uh, um, have a, a great interest. And, and particularly once we're through the uh, the FDA approval process uh, as a class two medical device, um, and that is a, a, a bit of a, a process, and and uh, and it's a bit of a black box because um, um, uh, you you're, you're never sure you know how long or uh, uh, well, actually first of all you're never sure if you're actually going to come out the other side uh, being successful. Um, although the, uh, uh, the, the parameters of success or fail, yes, no, um, are fairly cut and dry. They're not, uh, they're, they're not, you know, uh, subjective or arbitrary. The, the FDA sits with you, um, takes a hard look through back and forth dialogue that goes on for months and months. And they get to a point where they understand your tech technology and what it is you're trying to achieve and, and, and what claims you want to be able to make of your product at the end of the day. And once they understand all that <clears throat> through some dialogue back and forth over many, many months, then they come back and say, okay, here's the, the, the parameters, you know, uh, the thresholds uh, which you must meet to, um, uh, to be approved. Um, and, uh, and so we just completed a round of testing that was done at, uh, uh, ST Innovations with, which is a, uh, a branch of, uh, University of Alberta, um, that, uh, uh, that specializes in, um, uh, uh testing of, of various technologies. And so they did, uh, um, uh, a, a set of trials for health gauge under the same uh, conditions as the, uh, uh, FDA trials would be conducted, um, uh, for full approval as a class two medical device. And, uh, and the product came through with, with flying colors. In, in other words, the, the accuracy of the testing showed itself to be within that acceptable plus minus range that you need to be in, uh, to be considered a, uh, um, a class two medical device for, for blood pressure. So the next step in that process now is completion of, uh, of a slightly larger study. It's actually about double in size. Um, 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 using the, the, the same conditions. And, um, um, and the end result of that is that if the results that we've seen from the, uh, the, the downsized uh, testing, the half-sized testing holds true in the full-size testing, we have no reason to believe it won't, um, we come out the other side as a class two, as an approved class two medical device for blood pressure. There is no other wearable out there that has that. None. Not Apple, not Google, not Samsung, not Fitbit. None of them uh, are approved as a class two medical device uh, for, for blood pressure. We would be the only one, uh, number one. And number two, we have the patent on it. Um, not, not only patent on what we do, we have the general patent uh, issued by the U.S. Patent Office that, uh, that covers uh, wearable technology for the purpose of, of uh, 
measuring uh, uh, health parameters like blood pressure and heart rate, heart rate variability, and so on and so forth. Um, and so it puts us into, into a unique position um, once this testing is done on, on behalf of the FDA, where, where we will be the one and only consumer wearable product out there uh, approved by the FDA as a class two medical device to measure blood pressure. Um, that opens the door to huge, huge market opportunities. And we've been in uh, dialogue now for many, many months with several uh, potential uh, strategic partners who are um, uh, ready to pull the trigger uh, um, uh, upon that event happening, upon us receiving our approval from the FDA as a class two medical device. Um, we've got uh, some big, big doors open to us. Um, so the, uh, um, the the business development cycle has been um, in progress and and, and building uh, for the last many many months and uh, and I think we're going to um, uh, certainly over the course of this year see um, uh, some explosive growth on uh, on the revenue side. Okay, so um, so that's forward looking statements. Uh, at this point, <clears throat> if anybody yeah. wants to come up and ask questions in regards to the Edmonton based company, please feel free. If you're not comfortable with that and you want to. DM me a question, go for it. Um, but we'll continue on. So uh, in your in your financials, sure. what has been reported in regards to revenue with this company? Has there been any, how many subscriptions, numbers, like what have you put out there publicly? Yeah, there there is. Um, there, over the, the, this last year, I know the revenue was um, in and around um, four hundred thousand dollar range. Um, I don't have the exact figure in front of me now. Um, so, so it, it's it's certainly modest at this point, um, but it's there, um, including part of that. And I, you know, this is uh, this goes to the point of their um their uh, um, patent and and the fact that they've started to license their technology to other companies um there's a company out of San Diego uh that is developing a uh, a non-invasive blood glucose wearable device which again is a, a huge huge market uh blood glucose or diabetes is uh i think number 3 uh biggest problem um uh in America uh, health healthcare wise uh in terms both of 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 uh, of deaths and um and dollar spent so it's a huge huge industry and uh and of course to come up with a a non-invasive a testing device is kind of the, the the holy grail for for diabetics um this company out of san diego has been developing that and when they went to patent to patent their technology um the uh the issue they ran into was that oops this canadian company by the name of health gauge already has that patent issued to them and so they did the, the right thing they they came to to health gauge and said, uh, um, you know, we're developing uh, this non-invasive blood glucose. You've got the patent on it. And so we want to, uh, we want a license from you. And, and, and so they signed a, a licensing agreement. So health gauge has been receiving, uh, 10,000 us a month and they will for the life of the patent. So for the next 25 years, plus 3% of, uh, uh their internal sales, 10% of their third party sales, 
two million dollar break fee and 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 so on and um um and that's one and, and that's done and announced and in the bank and uh this u.s company has been making payments to health gauge uh regularly for uh um for the last i'm gonna say about a year now on that and uh and there's several other companies that um are in uh, discussion with uh, Health Gauge um, uh, regarding the same sort of, of, of uh, structure, and in, in that they're uh, developing or have developed uh, technologies and, and and go to patent it and see that oops, uh, you know, Health Gauge already has the patent on that, and so they're they're doing the right thing and coming forward and and uh, uh, sitting with Health Gauge to um, um, uh, to uh, to license the technology. So so there's multiple revenue new streams available to them one is that they're working on which is you know a b2b models and they're working with um uh, various uh, healthcare providers uh, fortune 500 companies um, um, uh, there's also the you know b2c retail side of, of the market where they they've got uh, uh, a website up, uh, up and they do some e-commerce sales and and it's it it, it it's modest but um but there is some huge potential um uh, in the US uh, uh because we've been shown some uh tremendous interest uh from uh, some very large retailers in carrying the product uh, again once we're we're through the uh the FDA process and so um there there's some you know tremendous uh, uh, pent up uh, demand and interest uh, subject to to the completion of um, of the the FDA trial work uh, on the retail side, and then there's the um, um, uh, the the vertical that uh, uh, is all about uh, the the license licensing of their technology to other companies. Because the way their patent reads, um, and I've had some experience with patent work with uh, with other companies that I've been involved with over the years, uh, various technology companies and so on. And patent attorneys will always do the same thing when they're uh, filing their patent claims with the patent office. And that's, you know, they'll ask for the uh, the sun and the moon and everything in between. And uh, and and they know that, you know, 95% of their claims will be disallowed by the patent office. But, yeah, you know, they'll of, of the 100 different things they were claiming, if the patent office, you know, grants them two or three, they, they come away happy. And, uh, and you know, that's that's kind of the, the way the game is played uh, with, with patents. Okay, so that's um, your biggest risk right they, now is you got to get through FDA number two. Uh, yes, uh, although that, uh, that that's one revenue stream. There's you know multiple revenue streams uh, uh, open to them that they're working towards that have no um, re- relevancy with the FDA approval. Okay. Um, there, there's several, for example, um, you know the uh, in-home care market. You know the 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 uh, home nursing uh, companies uh, working with the infirmed and elderly and so on. Um, they're, um, you know, one of the, the, the big gaps in their service is, uh, is something like this, is the ability between nursing visits. So the nurse, you know, comes, you know, whatever it is, once a day, once a week, once three weeks, whatever it is. But in between the nursing visits, um, you know, who's monitoring that, uh, that 
elderly person or infirm person. Um, and so a product like ours fits that gap very, very nicely where, um, where the healthcare providers uh, have, uh, you know, a, a tool that's uh, indicating to them what's going on with that patient um, when healthcare staff isn't on site, isn't present. And, uh, and so uh, HealthGage is in uh, uh, a serious level of dialogue with a few very large, um, you know, home healthcare uh, uh, companies um, to provide uh, our product as part of their uh, their stable of of products. And and again, nothing to do with FDA approval. The FDA approval is specifically for um, blood pressure and uh, nothing else. But but the product as it sits today um, is uh, uh, is completely um, uh, functional functional and 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 uh, um, and relevant relevant in, uh, um, you know, the home user market for, you know, that, that sort of market, for example. And that's one of several verticals that, uh, um, that they're working towards. Um, others are, um, employers, large companies that uh, are always looking to provide additional benefits for, uh, uh, for staff, um, um, uh, either, you know, because it's, it's good uh, as a benefit to their staff or um, because it's, a, an, you know, it's an essential need. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, they were in discussion with uh, a, a large trucking company. This truck has uh, trucking company has thousands of drivers on the road 24 hours a day all over North America, and the company needs to understand, um, you know, the, the the health and well-being where those drivers are at. Um, um, I'm not I'm not saying. It, 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 geopolitically located but where where they're at health wise while they're on the road and in fact the insurance companies for the trucking industry has said that that um their ability to, um, you know, to follow and monitor the health and well-being of their drivers um, will positively impact their uh, uh, their insurance costs going forward. Um, and, and so it's 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 not only in the best interest of the company <clears throat> um, to provide a good service for their workers. But uh, uh, but it'll actually save yeah. the money at the end of the day too. Okay, so I'm I'm just looking at our numbers here. There's quite a few people listening. Um, People pop in and out of these spaces all the time. Sure. Uh, so sure. you know, I, I do encourage people, if you want to come up and ask a question, uh, you know, we are a, a media marketing company. We give uh, companies an opportunity to tell their stories. Uh, Tim is uh, very experienced, uh, you know, in the investment space. Uh, I'm sure he can take any challenging questions. So I, I really do encourage that. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable, you can always DM me your questions and I'll, I'll gladly ask Tim for you. Um, so do you want to move on to the second company? I think we've covered this one pretty good, sure. but if the, uh, by any means, if there's something that I've, I haven't asked or, you know, maybe you, there, there's a couple of things you want to still talk about, go for it. If not, we can move on. No, I, I think that gives you a good overview. Um, um, the, the one point I did want to make, um, is with respect to the, the the relevancy of the data that you're getting, you know, from the health gauge solution, from this three part solution. So you've got the wearable on your wrist, which is feeding data 
into the AI driven app on your phone, which is, you know, giving you immediate and actionable feedback. And I've got real life stories. A friend of mine, you know, was uh, in Mexico. He's an avid golfer on the golf course. And, uh, um, and he's had a history of heart problems. And, and while, uh, in that situation, you know, he just wasn't feeling himself, um, checked, uh, his, uh, his health cage watch. And he saw that, that, uh, you know, his numbers were way out of whack. His blood pressure was up. His heart rate was erratic. Uh, heart rate variability was off and so on. And so, you know, so he immediately got off the, the, the golf course. And uh, got himself into the emergency room and the doctor said, yeah, you're lucky you got in here because, uh, you know, you've got some problems that, that, that we need to uh, that we need to deal with immediately. Um, and because of, you know, him, you know, wearing our, our health gauge, um, um, it, it went from oh, I'm not feeling quite right to him getting this actionable feedback that told him, you know, uh, I, I really need to get into the hospital now and have this, this looked at. And then the third step was, is that his uh, uh, his personal doctor back in Canada, because now he's in a hospital in Mexico, um, his his personal doctor back in Canada was able to log in uh, to uh, assess in his right into his platform with all the data and and see what happened at that moment um while he was out on the golf course here's what the numbers look like and so it gave the doctor far more meaningful data <laughs> from which to to uh, assess what was going on and 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 to make some recommendations and that's the advantage is that you know in, in some ways it's like uh you know having the the, the doctor on your wrist um, uh, uh, gathering up that, that data and, uh, and helping you make a decision on it. Um, one of the new products that we just announced with HealthGage, and this is kind of the last point I'll make on HealthGage, <clears throat> is they just announced the release of version one of uh, an AI uh, uh, chat buddy, I'll call it, um, similar to a chat GPT uh, called Health Coach. And the, uh, um, the point of Health Coach is what it's doing is... Um, it, it's taking all your health data that, that you choose to allow it to see, and it's uh, analyzing that, um, um, including, you know, the information that's being, you know, fed in from the health gauge wearable watch and from the health gauge platform, but from other sources as well. And it's interacting with you in a, on a conversational basis helping to make um, uh, recommendations and, and give you advice um, uh, in the way that, you know, ChatGPT does, but doing it specifically with your personal health data. Um, one problem in general with these uh, AI-driven um, uh, chat programs is what's called the hallucination problem. And the hallucination problem is, is that... They don't always give you correct information. Sometimes they make stuff up. Sometimes they lie. And, uh, um, and the developers and researchers aren't 100% sure why or, or, or how they're able to do it. But it is a known flaw 
with all these various chat programs is is this hallucination problem. Um, and now, when you're talking about healthcare, yeah, that would be a big problem. And and so the uh, the AI program that was developed by Bruce Matichuk and his team called Health Coach um, is designed specifically to parse out that uh, that uh, that possibility. So, so in other words, any feedback or information or data or a recommendation that Health Coach is giving back to you um, uh, cannot, will not have this hallucination problem uh, that the general uh, uh, chat AI programs can have. So very, very powerful tool. And again, just an additional tool. It's not designed never at least you know not in the immediate future isn't designed to replace doctors uh, or anything like that but but it's an additional tool that helps to democratize uh, medicine so that so that we as the you know recipient of of uh, uh, of this advice um, are able to actively participate in our own healthcare decisions which is which is a whole new world that, that's not how medicine has ever worked uh, up until this point in time. So it's uh, this, this brave new world of the, uh, you know, our participation in our own healthcare, which is a, a good thing. See, I can continue asking questions on this business because there, there's just so many that come to mind. Um, but yeah, but exactly. to challenge you, honestly, like how many competitors are in this space? Because like it, it makes total mm-hmm. sense, right? Yeah. It's an easy sell from an investor i'm I'm interested because i know there's a need for this but how many people are in this space and and you know what can potentially give this product a competitive advantage sure so in in terms of you know actual so again you know preface by saying we don't see you know the uh the apples and and the fitbits and so on as our competition any more than if we were a manufacturer of tanks we wouldn't see Ferraris being our competition. And, and this is the same sort of, of, of analogy. So what we do is very, very different from what the, the, the general wearable market. And there's literally only a small handful of companies that actually do what we do, which is um, uh, produce devices specifically designed uh, for healthcare and, 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 and nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Um, um, and our competitive advantage being that, uh, number one, we've got the patent on it. Um, anybody else in this space, um, they're probably going to have to come to us and, and license technology uh, at the end of the day if, if we push the issue because we've got this, this global patent that, that covers all this. So that gives us an advantage. Number one, number two, um, we are in the uh, the process uh, of FDA approval um, on uh, on blood pressure, which nobody else is, and so that's you know the second advantage um, that uh, we're we're first to market. But the other thing is, Carl, that I, I've come to realize, you know, through my life, that if there's no competition, there's also probably no market. Um, the idea that that somebody, some company is the only one in the world smart enough to come up with some idea and, and nobody else has ever thought about it. Well, you know, usually when that's the case, when nobody else has ever thought about it, it's because there's no market for it. Um, and so... If there's a market, there's going to be some competition. Um, and so we're not scared of competition. We know that there will be 
some amount of companies, although at this point, you can literally call uh, account the companies who are in this particular space. You can count them on one hand. Um, so the, there is competition, but it's limited competition. And we believe we've got competitive advantage uh, because of where we are in the process. Um, you know, we didn't come at this this yesterday, even though we took over Health Gauge. Um, in late 2019, went public within early 2020. Um, they uh, were working on the technology for about five years before that and, and came from those specific worlds of, of, of health tech and artificial intelligence prior to that. So, so you know, th this has uh, been a long time coming um, and, uh, and there are bar barriers of entry. Um, there are other companies that are really intrigued in this space and but they see that it's, you know, it's a long, slow, expensive development cycle. Everything that HealthGage has gone through for the last many, many years, these other companies would have to go through the same thing. And so uh, a lot of them are, are may, I think, wisely uh, saying, why don't we instead, you know, go to HealthGage and try to license technology from them? So there's a number of those conversations going on right now uh, with, with outside uh, companies. Um, so... So, uh, you know, I, I, that's my answer is that uh, there, there, there's competition, but it's limited competition and we've got a leg up on them. Okay. And it's a big, big market. Even, um, you, you know, there's, there's enough pie to, uh, uh, to keep a, a, a lot of companies, you know, very fat for, for a very long time. Well, I say let's move on to the next company. That was the flagship. Let's okay. move on to the, uh, to the yeah. next one. Sure. Um, okay. So the, the second acquisition that we made um, is a company called Tech to Heal um, out of Paris, France. And uh, their, um, their, their focus is on remote patient monitoring and uh, uh, digital therapeutics um, with a specific emphasis um, on the uh, um, uh, mental health space. Um, that is is um, an overview of, of who they are and what they do. Uh, what we own of them, uh, again, we uh, we acquired uh, in perpetuity North American rights to all uh, products, uh, licenses, brands, and so on. Um, um, uh, in a stock deal, uh, again, when our market was uh, substantially higher than than it is now, so it was uh, it was not a dilutive uh, deal for us. And uh, and over and above that, uh, we uh, we own um, uh, approximately ten percent of their global operations as well. Um, they uh, they also were at late stage uh, of development of um, a remote patient monitoring platform. <laughs> but I use that term <laughs> uh, cautiously because it's so much more than your standard remote patient monitoring platform that you see in the marketplace today. Um, this is you know this is the the the. The, the the 3D version when everything else out there is 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 two dimensional. Um, the uh, uh, the programs, the, the remote patient monitoring uh, platform programs, are generally designed. First of all, they're they're all very rigid. They they're designed to do one thing and one thing only, and they're designed to um, provide service. 
uh, to one aspect, either to the administrators of the healthcare system, to the healthcare providers, meaning doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and so on, um, to the patients, um, or to the researchers. Um, nobody has a platform that, uh, that caters in, in one um, software package uh, to all of those and in a no-code scenario and completely configurable. Um, and that's what this is. And that's why it's, it's grabbed the attention since its launch in January. Um, there's several of the biggest hospital systems in Europe are, um, are kicking the tires on this right now. They're going through their, their internal due diligence on it. And, and the feedback has been, you know, phenomenally positive. Um, and, uh, um, and again, forward looking, this is blue sky. This is, you know, not in the bank yet. And so, uh, um, you know, buyer beware. This is, uh, um, um, uh, these, uh, these could come to fruition uh, or not. We're fingers crossed, but they're not done yet. Um, but, uh, but they do have, you know, some of the, the biggest hospital systems in Europe who are uh, in the due diligence and, and looks like um, we could see, you know, the start of uh, contracts being signed um, just over the course of the next couple of months um, uh, on that front. Um, but again, so w what it's doing and, and, you know, without getting too deep in, into the weeds on this is um, in it, it's taking what today exists in your typical healthcare system are these um, uh, standalone systems that are not uh, synergistic with each other, that are, that are not, you know, compliant or compatible with each other. Um, it, it's taking all those and combining them into one so that uh, um, uh, the, the, the hospital uh, administrators um, and doctors and and uh, and, and researchers um, don't have to, you know, spend half of half of their life uh, porting data over from one system to another. Um, so, an incredibly incredibly powerful tool, um, and again, completely configurable in a in a in a non code setting, meaning um, on the fly. Each hospital system is able to um, plug and play. It's, it's like Lego bricks. Uh, yeah, you, you know, you want these add-ons or you don't. They're there as you need them to uh, uh, to be accessed, um, uh, uh, depending on what it is you need within your your, your system. Uh, so it's an incredibly, incredibly powerful tool. Um, they just announced um, in, in, I'm going to say, the last month or so uh, that they were chosen. There's a very large clinical study being done uh, starting up now um, in southern France with uh, 30,000 patients, elderly patients. Um, again, and, and, and this is uh, uh, looking at models for aging in place, looking at ways to uh, keep people in their own homes longer um, because not only they have uh, a better quality of life, they actually live longer and it costs the healthcare system less money. And so, so healthcare systems all over are looking at ways to, to find uh, 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 the secret to, you know, keeping the elderly uh, in place in home uh, longer rather than putting them into nursing homes and so on. So this very large study of 30,000 people is getting underway now and it's, 
uh, multiple hospitals and large pharmacy companies that are involved with uh, uh, the uh, um, uh, uh, this clinical trial uh, over the, the, the period of the next many months. And the technology provider that they chose to, to be the backbone of this study, this, the sole technology provider that, that uh, the, the whole study is going to be run on is, uh, uh, is the tech to heal uh, platform um, because it, it ticks all the boxes because it, it provides, you know, the researchers with the answers they need and the clinicians and the patients and the, and, and the administrators, it gives everyone what they need out of the system and is completely configurable on the fly. Um, so it's, it, it's this incredibly, incredibly powerful tool. And so there's a huge, huge market application um, for this sort of technology. Um, and specifically in the area that, that tech to heal themselves uh, have a, a, a primary focus on, that's on the mental health. Um, and uh, they're uh, underway now with uh, several different um, um, clinical trials um, at healthcare facilities throughout Europe um, that are mental health care facilities um, where they're trying to bring mental health, again, into the digital age. They're, they're trying to provide that digital therapeutics, the, the uh, psychoanalysis and, and, and counseling and and, and uh, uh, um, deployment of, of prescription medicine to patients, but on a remote basis um, so that uh, um, uh, they're able to do it, you know, far more, you know, effectively and, and efficiently and, and, uh, um, and, and less costly than, uh, than it is historically. And so how, how did this um, deal come together for you? Mm -hmm. Um so uh, again, we're we're uh, digging through the uh, the weeds, uh, looking at, uh, looking for, looking at various projects, and I actually came across Tech to Heal at uh, uh, CES in in Las Vegas a, a few years back, and uh, was very intrigued by what they were doing. I liked the people because, again, you know, one of the the key criteria that we look at is uh is the people involved um and my um my experience has been in you know earlier stage uh, startups that if you've got the right people they'll find a way to make it work you know they'll they'll get dragged through the gravel and they'll get up uh, all bloodied and 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 spitting teeth and and they'll get right back at it and they'll make the deal work on the other side of it if you've got the wrong people running a deal they they can take a slam dunk easy deal and find some way to mess it up so the people are always very very important to me and and one thing that i was impressed with uh, in tech to heal besides the um the quality of the technology itself, again, was uh, the quality of, of of the management team running it and and their experience and expertise. Having run a uh, a similar earlier stage platform um, uh, under which they made uh, uh, several millions of dollars in sales in a couple of years. Um, Mainly to uh, very large uh, insurance companies throughout France and 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 other parts of Europe, and so they had uh, experienced, knowledgeable um, uh, management team that uh, um, that had uh, that you know were in the right sector at at 
the right time. And, uh, and, and so that's where we started our conversations a, a few years back. And again, our due diligence process back and forth on both sides, you know, takes, uh, uh, it takes a great deal of time. We don't rush into, into the, the deals. Um, and, uh, we were able to, to, uh, you know, come away with an agreement. Um, because the other thing that we look for is not only deals that, uh, have the ability to be, you know, a 10 bagger and stand on their own within, you know, a year to three years from the time we get involved um, and have good solid management. All that is, is really, really important to us. But beyond that, the other thing that we look for are companies that are uh, synergistic with the other companies that we've already invested in, in some way, shape or form. So either um, they have the ability to leverage each other's technology or leverage each other's uh, uh, market share of contacts or that sort of thing. Um, we always make sure that none, uh, that none of the companies we invest in are in direct competition with other of the companies that we invest in. Um, um, and we'd like to be uh, uh, diversified, both in terms of, of product lines, but also, you know, geopolitically diversified. So whereas HealthGage, you know, their backyard is North America. That's where their contacts are. That's that's the market they're penetrating now. Uh, Tech to Heal, their strong point is in uh, uh, Europe first, but also very powerful uh, contacts in, in South America. And they've done a lot of uh, business historically in South America. So um, for us investing in those two companies, it diversifies us across, you know, multiple products. It diversifies us across, you know, multiple uh, geopolitical regions uh, and so on. So, so uh, we, we see that as a, an essential part of our uh, investment strategy as well. Um, and the same going forward as, as we're, we, you know, we've got another, a, a number of other companies in our pipeline that, we're doing the due diligence on and they're doing due diligence on us. Um, but again, same sort of, of criteria and strategy. If, if they don't fit well with our existing stable of companies, um, you know, that that's disqualifier in, in and of itself. Okay. Um, final words. How would you, uh, how would you like to leave it off today? I think this has been a pretty long form discussion and a very detailed overview of the of the two companies that you have and i'm sure there there'll be more that you'll add it seems like yes. your, your team is, yeah. is definitely going to be active on that front yeah exactly yeah and i'd love to be back on your show over the you know the coming weeks and months as we've got some of the uh, material news to share with uh, with your your audience on some of these uh, these matters that I've been alluding to on the business development front. Uh, like I said, fingers crossed, I think we're going to start to see some of them come through to fruition in the near future. But we really believe that we're... Um, uh, we're at this 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 you know uh, perfect storm convergence. Um, we're we're in the right place at the right time. Um, we know that uh, healthcare systems globally, whether they're you know privatized systems like the U.S. or 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 uh, dual systems uh, like in Canada, where you have some private, some public, or completely you know socialized systems like in Europe. The one thing they all have in common is that the payers, the you know the government or insurers. 
um, are complaining that costs spiral out of control year after year after year on one side. And on the other side, you know, the consumers of, 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 of that uh, product and service being us um, are never happy with the, the quality of service that, that we're getting and then believe that it can always be better. And in the Western world, we're seeing, you know, populations getting older and older. And so the need for a revolutionary change in the healthcare system uh, is on us. And the, uh, the pandemic kind of uh, uh, act as a, as a catalyst to, um, to to move the digital healthcare forward, both in the in the in the minds of of uh, the consumers, uh, but and also of the, of the payers, and it's not going away. It, it's it's going to become an ever increasing part of our healthcare system uh, as we go forward, and that with the marriage of artificial intelligence, where you know artificial intelligence uh, will and and can do more and more and more uh, as it pertains to uh, uh, our medical systems. And so for us to be at, uh, at that, uh, that crossroad between artificial intelligence and, uh, and the, the digital healthcare, I think we're in the, the right place at the right time. And these companies that we've invested in are uh, at that point of breaking out, um, uh, uh, having completed the R&D phase and, and working diligently at the business development phase. And, uh, um, and while, you know, all that good news is happening around us. We're, we're still at a, you know, a, a tiny, tiny market cap. So we, we think that we represent, uh, um, you know, real good investment value for, for folks who are looking for, for something with, uh, with good upside potential. Yeah, obviously you got caught up into the, uh, the pandemic uh, bubble there. That's maybe no, uh, yeah. you know, you, yeah. it is what it is, right? I'm sure a lot of charts in that sector would look basically the same uh i haven't looked at them so i could be wrong but that's my assumption anyways um so yeah you know i wish you all the best uh, you and your team with with to build this thing out and try to get some uh some added revenue and and obviously some really explosive revenue uh worldwide and uh maybe we can follow up with you in a quarter or two and you know just see what's up Mm -hmm. and and uh we'll, we'll sort of go back to this space and maybe challenge you on a few things and and see how the company's grown sure yeah, love to do that, Carl. I look forward to it, and uh, I'm excited to come back and share with you some of uh, some of the developments uh, over the next few months. Okay, well, enjoy uh, Italy. Uh, obviously, you're not you're not vacationing there. You know it very well. Uh, it's too bad I didn't uh, you know drive over there and do a, a, my segment called the morning drive with you when I was only three four hours away. Actually, from Florence to exactly. Zurich, how far is that? Six. Um, I, I'd say, yeah, I think about six hours. That, that sounds about okay. right to me. Yeah. Well, if I'm ever in that area, I'll, uh, have to pick you up for a ride. All right. I look forward to it. Let's, let's okay. do it. Enjoy dinner. I'm sure you, you're going to eat now, but, uh, take care. Thanks, Carl. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye now.